bienvenidos a la Deuces Wild Daily Hustle. Soy Enrique Barnes, y presidente de esa mejor cerveza, no abate por No Filter Network. Miguelito Sandiaguito, a.k.a. Bobby Ball, not with us today. Will the Thrill Clark, not with us today. But back next week. And each and every single morning, we are going to come on here, though, as you guys know this, and properly salute our boys. Yes, 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 yes! Woo! A very pleasant good morning to you on this 27th day of December 2023. Just a few days left here before the new year. And let's not forget... Who our title sponsor is, because this show does not exist without them, and that is Bet Online. And actually, I'm going to have to retract here for a second, because <laughs> with or without the title sponsor, the show actually would still go on. Anyhow, the only people that don't get time off. This time of year is the pro athletes and the people at Bet Online. With the NFL bowl season and NBA in full swing over the holidays, Bet Online isn't taking a second off to make sure you have all of the up to date odds, news, and info. Bet Online has all the sports wagering available you need with both desktop and mobile access. Head there today to get in on. The action. I might get in on the action today. I keep saying I'm going to, but I have yet to open up a bet online account. It is not legal here in California. It is legal outside of it, though, and in the great state of Nevada. So as soon as I cross the border today, as I go into Reno to play pickleball, I think there's a good chance today is a day I fire up the account. We have four bowl games going on and well shit why not all right anyhow remember to use the promo code believe i will use this capital b l e a v that is it believe is your promo code that'll get you 50 percent off a welcome bonus for your first deposit also don't forget about our proud partners at KT Tape. That's right. Get yourself some of the Pro Oxygen Tape by hitting the QR code in the upper right-hand corner. I'm not a doctor, not a scientist, nor did I stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. But I can tell you, through experience, this shit works. When you apply the tape, it lifts the skin. It promotes blood flow to the area, reducing inflammation and typically the pains associated with it. KT Tape. Deflaming muscles since its creation and then lastly here let's not forget about verge try verge.com go talk to our guy jory over there he'll get you all dialed in with whatever you need this is a lemon honey cannabis shot of fucking greatness it not only puts my mind in the right frame but it also is very soothing on the voice. So if there's a night where I had a few too many cocktails, 
whatever. This is definitely uh, a shot of greatness that I so often mm, seek. <sighs> Salute, everybody. So right outside, sorry for the distraction, is a Buffalo Bills. I'm going to try to show this to you guys. If you can see, it's really funny. So that's the light that you're staring at. But outside of that light is a Buffalo Bills blow-up doll. And the thing is out on my balcony. And it was facing the other way. And then when I came up here this morning, it was facing that way. And it's really windy outside. So I did a little video this morning. And I know it looks like a shit show back here, but there's actually some rhyme and reason to all the madness within the Daily Hustle studio. But there's a picture here. I think you guys will appreciate this whole time. I found this in a box that we got from my mom's house just recently. And this is Pete Rose. It says, Eric, swing that fucking bat. Pete Rose, hit king, number 4,256. Just really awesome. I ran into him at, I don't know, Caesar Palace. or Whatever it was at the form shops. And this was back when I was playing. And... I went up to him. It's like, hey, you know, Mr. Rose, my name is Eric Burns. I play for the A's. I just want to introduce myself. He's like, Burns. Yeah, I know who the fuck you are. And he goes, you play the game the right way. I'm like, hey, thanks, Pete. Man, I can't tell you how much that means to me. Obviously, I grew up watching you and nobody played harder. And he goes, so what do you think about all this Moneyball bullshit? And at the time, it wasn't even a movie. It was still like book territory. But I think the book had just come out. And I'm like, look, Pete, I said, you know, playing within the organization, there are certain things that they ask you to do as a hitter. But for the most part, man, like, I just get up there and I swing the fucking bat. And he goes, yeah. He goes, well, guess what? That's exactly what you should do. Swing that fucking bat. And so... The irony is that the two things, actually, it's just, again, humbled and really, really cool story and situation. But a few weeks later, so I sat with them and just bullshit. They took a picture and nothing more. And there was other uh, clients coming in or whatever you want to call them, right, that were waiting in line for his autograph. And they'd come in. It was real expensive, too. 50 bucks an autograph, 100 bucks. I don't know what it was. But I just sat with him and bullshitted for an hour. And then I would say a week later in the mail comes that picture signed Eric swing that fucking bat. And then also in the mail was a signed frame Jersey from Pete Rose with all of his accolades on there. Just so awesome. So forever grateful to Pete and everyone else. But, you know, he was asking again about that Moneyball thing. And if they make us take pitches, I'm like, look, in the minor leagues, they did do this. Our first at bat 
And this was actually only in Medford. And they were trying to implement plate discipline. We had to take only in our first at bat until the count was 2-0 or we had a strike on us. You would be fucking shocked at how many times you got to 2-0 and you're like, "Woo, here we go. It was incredible. And it really showed me, I know, that, hey, look, you don't always have to attack that first pitch. Now, I still believe the first pitch is one of the best pitches, about the best pitch to hit. And statistically, it'll it'll say that. And as far as the counts are concerned, and there's a reason why you should be hunting fastball and hitting that first pitch, even if it's a get-me-over-breaking ball. But it also showed me that, hey, look, I can have discipline. And more often than not, it's the pitcher that is going to fall behind. The other rule was that if you came up in your first at bat and there was a runner in scoring position, you were allowed to swing the bat as well. But this was only at the low level of the minor leagues. When you got to the big leagues, it was, hey, swing the bat. But they demanded that everybody within the organization walk 10% of your plate appearances. It was actually 10% of your at-bat. So if you had 500 at-bats, they expected you to have 50 walks, which I think is very fair. So that was always the goal. There was one month I remember Jose Ortiz just went off and I want to say he hit 11 homers, maybe more in the month of August. He hit over 400, but he only walked like three times and he had almost 100 at-bats. Well, he could not get the minor league player of the month award because of that. I also think that's kind of bullshit because look, if you're doing that kind of damage, I mean, that what do you want? You want damage done, right? That's the whole point. It's just to fucking figure out a way to do damage. So now if you're not doing damage and not walking, then that's a problem. But if you're doing damage and walking, that's a good thing. I have looked at, say, the statistics in the past, but I'm going to try to evaluate a player. If you want to see if something's sustainable, look at the walk-to-strikeout ratio. Uh, like, the closer that is to one-on-one, at a big league level, the better it is. At a youth level, I would expect it to be two to one, three to one. So it's something that I definitely want our boys to pay attention to. Okay, today's Daily Hustle email was sent out earlier this morning. Was written about... No need to ask. I really like this one. Buenos dias. Today is Wednesday, December 27, 2023. Daily Hustle quote of the day. George Moore, the novelist, was asked by a young man if he recommended that the kid become a novelist. Moore said no. Huh. The confused boy asked why, since Moore himself had become a great novelist. Moore said, quote, I didn't have to ask. Daily Hustle's translation. If we want to be great at something and we believe we will be great at something, we don't need to ask for anybody's permission or validation. The above quote is in reference to a novelist, but we might as well be talking about a doctor, a lawyer, or a baseball player. 
when I was a kid, I told people and even wrote that I wanted to be a Major League Baseball player and a radio talk show host. Many people, including the teacher I wrote the paper for, would dismiss my goals as far-fetched and beyond reach. Yet, at no point did I ever let any outsider have a say in what I knew I would one day accomplish. I simply would work my ass off and stay committed to the process of working toward my goal each and every single day. Look, it's okay if we haven't figured out exactly what we wanted to do with every second of the rest of our lives. It's also okay to ask questions. That said, when we ultimately decide what we want to pursue, it will be so incredibly meaningful to us that we won't ever have to fucking ask for anybody else's opinion. EB, PS was given word last night that we still have a handful of daily hustle coffee mugs available. Click the pick to pick one of these beautiful bastards up. Now look at this thing. Come on. Uh, how and why these are not sold out by now, I have no idea. I had to order one myself. I really did. So uh, there's a few of them left. Go get a Daily Hustle coffee mug. I think it's extremely important to start your day off with a shot of just bam, right? Big old coffee mug. You get the hole in your hand. You're looking at it. It says daily. It says hustle. Might as well say, let's fucking hard charge it. I asked my wife last night if we could make a new one. And this is how the conversation got brought up. She goes, you, you haven't even sold out of the other ones. I go, I know. I, but, uh, you know, actually, I didn't say I know. I'm like, wait, wait, we, we haven't? She goes, no. So she got Amanda on the phone. And figured out we hadn't sold out of the other ones yet. But I wanted to write. And let me know if this is appropriate. If you want to fire away the chat, go ahead. We are live and interactive on No Filter Network. I realize that the majority of our listeners will tune in to Apple or Spotify, Caffeine TV, Fubo later in the day. We do record this live typically between 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. Monday through Friday. So if you want to chime in on the chat, go ahead. Uh, we do it at nofilter.net. But I wanted a coffee mug that says, wake up, bitch. And I, I just think it's appropriate. And it's not, and I don't mean bitch in a demeaning term, like by any means. But how often do we all get up in the morning and it's just like. And so if I have a coffee mug that not only says daily hustle, but also says, wake up bitch i feel like that'll do it for me that'll help get me over the top in the morning i mean each and every single morning we get up we're looking for a little extra motivation and i certainly know one guy that seeks motivation each and every single day uh somebody who hard charges life looking to optimize it as much as possible and someone who relentlessly works over and over and over again trying to get the absolute fucking best out of himself and no filter network the great 
Henry Markin. What's up, dude? Good morning. Wow. Your introductions never fail to disappoint. Good morning, Bernsey. Your juice as always. Wake up, bitch. How are you? Well, remember this, folks. When we're juiceful, we're useful, and we're juiceless, we're fucking useless. You know that, Hank? Absolutely. That's that's grilled into my DNA at this point. Uh, what's going on, man? You know, we're good. I, I'm, I'm assuming the uh, that question stems from how I'm feeling about the 49ers. Or if, if you're trying to parlay that into the general life, life is good. Life is great. Um, every I'm with fam in NorCal. Uh, we, uh, had Christmas, four different Christmases, kind of like that Vince Vaughn flick, just bouncing around the Pacific North coast. Uh, it was good. And watched the Niners got absolutely fucking donkey stomped, as you said. So that's mm-hmm. sort of the only thorn to my roses. Are you in, of, are you in sack right now? I'm in sack. Yeah. I'm, uh, near your, uh, near your river cats, actually like 10 minute drive down, down the road. So, you know, a little home base for you. Are you going to come up to Tahoe over this winter holiday? I think I will get a Tahoe trip in me. I don't think it's this week. I think Tahoe, I, I, I got to wait for the snow. I mean, there's there's no snow up there, right? Bro, I mean, literally, you look outside. Yeah, it's just, it just looks like indoor. Nothing. Nothing. Well, I want to say nothing. The ski run that's out here is actually, there's a lot of snow on it. And it stayed relatively cold. So I, I do think that it's a matter of personnel. It's also a matter of figuring out the trail from the top of the Martis lift back over and then down and everything. But yeah, for the most part, not a lot of snow. My kids have confirmed though, that two things, and this should be motivating for some people. Let's hear it. The snow is actually has been really good, but that's also been because it's been cold outside. And then the second thing is that the lines have been minuscule, at most 30-second wait over at North Star. Yeah, but that's that all goes the second that it starts dumping and it's just fresh pow-pow, you know, as far as I can see. that That's, you know, we're talking like late January, mid-Feb. That's when the lines are out the door like Disneyland in its heyday. And that's when Tahoe is just perfect. Obviously, you like to beat all those lines, and that's when you do the, you do the twelve hours up there. But, um, yeah, I'll probably be up like around then, late Jan, mid Feb, hopefully well, after yeah. a you, Niners Super Bowl. There's definitely a storm coming in right now. It's blowing the Buffalo Bill all over the place. I mean, here I'm <laughs> gonna move this. Watch this thing. It's comical because yeah. it's there, right? It's on the little deck, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been getting blowing all over so the issue though is that this is this is not a joke currently right now it's 51 fucking degrees oh my god no that's criminal yeah you can't you can't run ski season with that that's not gonna work no no so uh your thoughts on the 49ers meltdown I've I've definitely, you know, I've come to peace with that loss specifically. It still stings a lot. Um, that that loss is, uh, it, it doesn't bother me as much as it did yesterday. Because I, I think in, in the grand scheme of things, who gives a shit if you lost the Christmas matchup when, you know, you're like, I would say facing 
an Eagles team in the NFC Championship, or if you're trying to go to the Super Bowl, you don't really care about those wins and losses. You know, with those Jimmy Garoppolo years, there was one, I think his last good year, what did we finish, like 10 and 7? You know, who cares? You lost three in a row. You lost to the Titans in Nashville around Christmas. Okay, you just beat the Packers in Green Bay. Now you're going to L.A. facing the Rams in the NFC chip. It doesn't matter. These games, in the grand calculus of Shanahan's plan, to win the Super Bowl, it doesn't matter. You still got the one seed. What sucks right now is just how America is resenting Brock Purdy. That's something I can't wrap my head around. Okay, he lost the MVP race, right? But it seems like they were praying for this man's downfall like he's freaking Brady or Mahomes. And I, I don't understand why we're not rooting for this guy relentlessly. Why is this not the underdog story that every American in America is is gonna fucking like go to the end of the earth for? Like this dude was Mr. Irrelevant. He shouldn't even be in the MVP conversation. Yet every week it's like they're pissed that he's having these Brady and Breeze-like numbers. I don't get that. I'm I'm confused by that. The slander towards Brock Purdy, it's disgusting and it's unwarranted. And honestly, that's what bugs me. But it doesn't bug Brock, and that's what makes him so good, and that's what's going to make him who I think should be the real MVP. He's going to torch Washington next week, absolutely turn the Rams into a rug the following week, and we're going to seal that one seed, no big deal. I'm probably – well, I'll say probably. It's got to bother Brock because he's looking at this as any human being would look at it, and he's closer to this situation – than anybody else. He does strike me as somebody that's not scouring social media, that's not watching every or listening to every talk show. Right. But the fact that you have Cam Newton trolling Brock Purdy just goes to show me that there's a massive contingency of jealous people out there. Yes including fucking Cam himself. And it's nothing against Cam. He was obviously a great football player and, you know, one of the best and Heisman Trophy winner. I I mean, I I got to watch him at Auburn in that national championship game against Oregon. But when you're the dude and you're the guy that had all the talent in the world and all the accolades and everything else, You don't like seeing that underdog prevail. You like seeing the top dogs. I'm okay with that, but not the underdog, not the guy that's not supposed to do it. You would see it all the time in the baseball world where somebody would get called up to the big leagues. Let's just say David Eckstein, for example, sure of the angels. And everybody is like, Oh, Hey, great. Feel good story. But then you also had everybody sitting there waiting for him to fail. That's not what a shortstop is supposed to look like. A shortstop is supposed to be 6'3 and 210 pounds and look like your Greek god. Not this short little like, hey, hey guys, here I am. Like, no, that's not what your shortstop is supposed to look like. Well, David Eckstein, year after year after fucking year would just produce and help the Angels, and then later the Cardinals, win baseball games. And the guys with talent 
that don't fulfill their talent, that don't get the most of their ability, are typically the ones that become jealous. And that was Cam Newton, in my opinion, when it comes to Brock Purdy. Cam Newton had a great career. Cam Newton, a fucking Hall of Famer? He should have been. Cam Newton should have been a multi-Super Bowl winning quarterback. He was the greatest. He was the best. Nobody had more talent than that fucking guy. But guess what? Eh, 10-year career, man. Right? Right. Am I missing something here? Do I do you go back and look at the stats? And I just, he was a... He was a, a nice quarterback, nice NFL quarterback, sure made a handsome living, set for the rest of his life. Good shit. But guess what? You weren't the fucking Hall of Famer you're su- supposed to be. Right. And yeah. because of that, it's, uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I look back at it, Hank, and I'm thinking to myself, at some point, you know, Brock Purdy, I just he enters that territory. It was like Tom Brady. You're no longer the underdog. And I think that happens when you have repeated success. So mm-hmm. when Brady won his first Super Bowl, they're like, oh, great. Six-round draft pick, filling in for Drew Bledsoe, wins his first Super Bowl. How awesome is that? Well, there's the Heelys walking by. But I, you know, now I'm looking at it. Or then after that, then he wins the second one. It's like, wait, hold on a second here. Yeah. Now all of a sudden, it's like, it's not this feel-good story anymore. And so people go from lifting Tom Brady up as this great underdog story to wanting to fucking tear him down. And it didn't stop until his career was over. So if Brock Purdy has the type of career that he wants to have, he better hope that this is the year right now in the moment that he's still the underdog story and everyone wants to lift him up with the exception of Cam Newton and some other pundits around the league. But if he has the success he should have and the 49ers go out there and win the fucking Super Bowl, from here on out, it's going to be everybody trying to tear him down. I mean, if they win the Super Bowl, that that solves a lot of problems, you know, because obviously, yeah, you end the drought and what should have been, you know, you talk about Cam Newton should have multiple Super Bowls. I think the 49ers by now in my lifetime should have multiple Super Bowls, you know, with the Kaepernicks and, you know, Jimmy G had two very good chances, you know, not only to beat the Chiefs, but if you could just, not be a dumb shit against the Rams. You go play Cincy, a team you already beat, oh. a very raw Cincy team. You know, Joe Burrow, I guess that's the beginning of his career, but whoever won Niners Rams is going to win that Super Bowl. So I'm I'm looking at this year as kind of like it's Super Bowl or bust. It still is. Because next year you got all sorts of contract issues, money issues, and maybe there's some tempers that fly in their locker room. Who's the wide receiver one? You got to pay Ayuk. Debo could be out the door in a trade because – you can only have one. Who are you going to bring in? Is Brock really the guy? You have all these questions. If you win a Super Bowl, you I hate to say it, you solve so many problems that don't look like problems right now, but could be very problematic and could, you know, that's how you turn into a team like the Panthers, where you could have a dynasty, but, you know, with this great defense and great offense. And then all of a sudden, Newton's washed. You got a quarterback carousel, coaching carousel, and now you're just, it's a disaster. So you've got to win it. It says here on the latest edition of Hitner's Hot Take, NBC Sports Bay Area's Dante Whitner explained how the 49ers' embarrassing defeat against the Ravens will pay off for San Francisco in the long run. So here's a quote from Whitner. He says, the 49ers' loss to the Baltimore Ravens on Monday night is a blessing in disguise. The loss gave the 49ers' defense a chance to see Lamar Jackson firsthand up close. 
and seeing the type of speed that Jackson plays with also gives Steve Wilkes the opportunity to go back, analyze the film, and craft a game plan on keeping Jackson in the pocket and individual players on tackling him in the open field. The 49ers and Ravens last bet during the 2019 NFL season when San Francisco lost 2017 at M&T Bank Stadium. The 49ers' poor Week 16 outcome also was just the second time a team has faced Jackson, certainly giving San Francisco a reminder of what the two-time NFL MVP is capable of. Whitner also believes the 49ers' loss to the Ravens will play a role in the team's potential Super Bowl matchup. The first look at the Baltimore Ravens also gave Kyle Shanahan an opportunity to check this Baltimore defense and figure out if they meet later who they're going to attack. Whitner emphasized it's going to be Kyle Hamilton, the big nickel 6'4", 200-pound safety with versatility. For the 49ers, secondary gave them a chance to see if they see the Baltimore Ravens in the Super Bowl, how long they're going to have to cover and latch onto receivers in the back end. We call that plaster. So I could not agree more with Whitner. I do think this is a blessing in disguise if they do end up facing the Ravens in the Super Bowl. This is a team that most likely is going to have home field advantage so long as they take care of business against Miami. Now, if they happen to lose that Miami game, I mean, that could completely fucking upend things in the AFC. Right, right. Yes, I, you know, I, I don't... <sighs> I, I don't want to say Miami's going to beat Baltimore, but this is a serious. I mean, this is a serious swing for Baltimore. You kind of put everything on this game, and and I don't want to say this is a letdown game because it's another really big game. But you know, Miami played Dallas. It's not like Dallas is that good. I, I'm sorry, Dallas is so bloated, so overrated. This is no different than any Dallas team we've seen in the past five years. And everyone who's saying no, this, we're different. We're di- this is this is our year. Dude, it's a circle. It's the same circle where the expectations get real hot week five, week six, and you go right back to being a cowboy about week 10, week 11, and then it's just – so Miami could very well beat Baltimore. I actually don't think Baltimore is the – the. I don't think they're the best team in the AFC, actually. And I, I think right now their record is obviously the best, and they, they hold number one spot in everyone's power rankings, and it's very easy to say that was the Super Bowl preview. I think the most dangerous team in the AFC is actually your Bills. Exactly. I think the Bills and their pure explosiveness, and I don't want to say rage, but just the way that they can maneuver down a field and just 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 move. Like like mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson himself can move, right? That's that is always going to be a problem. But if you can properly contain him, and teams can do it, and for the most part, it seems like every team can kind of do it in the second half. The Niners almost did. You could beat the Ravens. The Ravens are not unbeatable. And in fact, if Lamar Jackson gets hurt, you know, which he's gotten every single year up to this point, I don't think he's had a real postseason in the last couple of years. They're done. Uh, like with the out zilch. I think the Bills are the most dangerous because they have so many weapons offensively and they've kind of said, fuck you. You think we can't run? We can't. It's going to be Josh Allen's going to kill you through the air on the ground. And I don't really respect Lamar's air game as much as I respect Josh Allen's because of the guys that Lamar has. Lamar only has Zay Flowers and Isaiah Likely, whereas Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis, 
Dalton Kincaid. These guys can beat you one-on-one. The Niners just, they had to play defense for so long because it was, you know, Lamar was so elusive. And and I'm not saying Lamar is not deserving of the MP, MVP. I'm just saying if you can contain Lamar, it's a different game. Uh, I uh, I don't know. I, I, I think the Bills may be the scariest team, in my opinion, just because they're getting so hot right now. They didn't cover against the Chargers, and I called that correctly. But you that's- did. Fantastic. I, dude, you. and you know, you know what's funny? As you did it, as you made the case for the Bills, and you went on and on and on and telling me all the reasons why the Bills are going to cover, I, I just felt it. Yeah. I'm like, dude, at the end, he's going to say the Chargers are going to cover. And right. sure as shit, you said the Chargers are going to cover, and you were right. That's not easy, man. I mean, you had the Chargers. That's not a bad football team. Right. And you have to remember, they if they had won all their one-possession games, right? Like, this was mm-hmm. this is a fucking playoff team. Yeah. And I realize that Herbert was hurt, whatever. But still, it's a dangerous team. The Bills had to mm-hmm. come out west on the day before Christmas Eve. Yeah. But... Yes, they are a very dynamic offense. The Buffalo Bills are. They're very similar to the 49ers in that they have multiple weapons. So it's Josh Allen, it's Gabe Davis, it's Stephon Diggs. And then you get into Dalton Kincaid's a game changer, man. This guy's a fucking badass, a rookie tight end from University of Utah. And then you have Cook in the backfield, who anyone who plays fantasy football knows he absolutely killed the hopes and dreams of so many people in the, what would have been what I think a quarterfinal matchup when he ran for, I don't know, 200 and some fucking yard, like just something ridiculous. They're very dynamic. So mm-hmm. we'll see how the whole thing plays out, but the bills actually uh, will face Miami in that final game. And so if the dolphins lose to the Ravens, like they should, they're underdogs. And then the bills can beat the fucking Dolphins, then it's going to be the Bills who end up winning the AFC East. It's, a, I don't say a long shot. It's, it's actually, you know, it's very likely to happen. I think the Bills at Miami will be favored too. Not by a lot, but maybe by about one. Um, so it's going to be sort of a pick em game, but they could pull it off and they could be, you know, like you said, the scariest team in football. Right. Yeah. And then, so then what do you do? Right. So, so then let's say the bills are playing the Ravens and so you got a matchup that the bills have in recent times kind of handled, um, you know, the bills, bills beat them last year and, and they beat them a couple years before in the playoffs. They, they got them like that. That's there. There's some matchups in the NFL where it's a big brother, little brother situation. And, you know, if, if, even if the bills have to go to Baltimore, I don't know. I, I don't know how you can bet. I really don't know how you can bet against Josh Allen in the playoffs. Like I, I, I think this, there's so many times where it's, you know, you look at, Oh, you can't bet against Burrow. You can't bet against, you can't get a bet against Mahomes. I don't know. I, I think, I think Josh Allen is, is going to will himself to some sort of success, whether it's like going to a Super Bowl or going to an AFC championship this year with this team or he's, or, or that's it. Like, or, or that team's going to blow up. How about this? So this is Aaron Rodgers yesterday on the Pat McAfee show. He says, if they finish the last two and win out, and if Miami loses their next one, the week 18 is going to be for the division, Rodgers said before interrupted by McAfee. What if Josh Allen, that is, has eight touchdowns the last two weeks and finishes with 48 combined touchdowns? How do you not put him in the MVP conversation? Totally agree. 
I agree. And, you know, you talked about yesterday in Daily Hustle that Lamar may have locked it up. How could you not give it to Lamar at this point? And that is true. You can, I, I have no problem with Lamar getting the MVP because I, I don't think there's any more important player to his team than Lamar is to the Ravens. And not just being important to your team, but also like physically dominating with anybody, you know, because Josh Allen gets a lot of, a lot of his support because he has some of these great fr- freaking great receivers, you know, and I'm Zay flowers again, <laughs> he's a dog. Isaiah likely dog, but like they are just not Stefan Diggs and, and Gabe Davis. They're just not, those guys are, those guys are multiple year vets pro bowlers. They're, they're sick. Um, I, I, I don't even want to even say any MVP at this point is a lock because it changes week to week. Cause what happens if McCaffrey has five touchdowns, for the last, you know, final two weeks, he has two this week and three next week against the Rams, and they beat the Rams. Well, what do you do? I mean, he's second place right now. He's at plus four hundred. It's who because that's the problem. The problem with MVP awards is that who gives a shit at the end of the day? How did you impress the fifty writers on the panel? The fifty sports writers. How did did, did they like your story? Did you impress them enough? Did did you did you not piss them off? So I don't even know. Well, Hank, there was an article today that was written about Barry Sanders pouring cold water on Christian McCaffrey's chances to win the MVP. So it says here, quote, you know this award is going to a quarterback. Sanders wrote on X, the platform formerly known as Twitter. I rushed for 2,000 yards in 97, and they made me co-MVP with Brett Favre. I do think there was a shot Christian could split it with a quarterback. Mm. But Sanders is right. This is a award that has been reserved for quarterbacks, which I think is total bullshit. Obviously, when Barry ran for 2,000, he should have been the fucking MVP. And I think it's pretty goddamn obvious here in 2023, that should be Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, you know, if if it were up to stats, you know, and just sort of the bewilderment of what he has done week to week and that touchdown streak that was I mean, that extended to last year, it's crazy. And, you know, obviously you can't take stats from last year, but just how vital – McCaffrey is to his team. He could throw, he could, he could run, he could catch. It's, it's sort of like the prototype athlete. You talked about that. McCaffrey is the best football player of all time. You know, everyone gets that category with Barry Sanders, best running back, mm. best quarterback is great. I, I, I agree. I would agree. And I think an MVP is, would be, would be pretty good justice for that, for that claim. Um, I think, I think Josh Allen actually has, a very sneaky shot of winning MVP purely because of what you just brought up. If he has four touchdowns this week, four touchdowns next week, turn the season around, you know, now they're all of a sudden they're right back to where they usually are division, division leaders. And the guy's always been an MVP favorite, a Super Bowl favorite, a Super Bowl likely hopeful. Um, I, I, I don't know. I think the smartest dude on planet earth right now is that, that better that sold the Brock Purdy for MVP ticket. But to the highest bidder before he could, you know, before he weighed to cash it in. Did you hear about that? No, brilliant though. Yeah, it was like, I think if, I mean, if all 
goes well, he's going to make 200 grand. You know, if Brock pretty wins, 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 and the writers are like, all right, I guess we have to give it to Brock. You know, he's lost three games in two years and whatever. I think the better would have made $200,000 from the ticket, but he sold it for $190,000 before last week. And now a Brock Purdy MVP ticket is worth precisely dick. So brilliant move by him. He had a great Christmas, I'm sure. So, Hank, Mm. you are definitely the resident NBA fan here at No Filter Network. Oh, indeed. The Detroit Pistons (laughs) lost their 27th straight game setting an NBA single-season record for futility last night. But check this shit out, dude. The Pistons took a 97-92 lead on Cade Cunningham's three-pointer with 8-10 left in the fourth quarter. Then Brooklyn went on a 13-0 run to give them a 105-97 lead with 453 remaining, and then that was fucking it. My goodness. What is happening in Detroit? I'll tell you what's happening. It's some team in Detroit has to fill the void of being a Detroit sports team. Like the Lions are in the playoffs. They clinched the NFC North for the first time in 30 years. Somebody has to suck so bad just for the purpose of Detroit sports. Like it's not possible in the sports gods to allow Detroit to have two or even three decent sports franchises in the major sports. That's just not, they just won't allow that. It's, it's, it's just not in the, it's not in the grain. It's not in the writing. It's not in the sacred text of sports. That's, that's what, that's the spiritual belief. Of course, how is it possible? I do. I don't know. Like Monty coach, Monty Williams, like that guy is, that guy's a smart dude. He's been around the league for a long time. You would think that his locker room presence would like kick into gear at, you know, by like week where I guess like lost like eight. Cause you could, you know, even the warriors with Steve Kerr, they, they've lost six in a row this year. You can lose, you could easily slide into like five, six, seven losses, you know, especially if they're back to back and you have a weekend and then you maybe even like have a little all-star break or something. And, you know, or you have the in-season tournament, you take a few days off, you have Christmas. Okay. We lost here. We lost there. You know, it, it adds up, but 27 losses. I don't know how I don't even know how that's possible, especially with a guy like Cade Cunningham, because you can't say they don't have anybody. They have a dog. They they have a guy who could be on a different team, like an Ant Edwards kind of a guy, and who I think Ant Edwards is the second coming of Jordan. So, dude, I don't know. I don't know how that's possible. I don't know how you don't rally behind these guys after a loss like fifteen or twenty. That's just it's getting sad. Really yeah, sad. but it's also getting really good because at some point they're going to win a basketball game. And when they do, the entire town of Detroit's going to fucking erupt. I, I, yeah, but you know, basketball is a really hard sport because, you know, un, you know, for football, obviously very, you know, injury prone, you know, guys can get blasted one week and be done for the year. Basketball, it wouldn't surprise me if Cade Cunningham is really fucking sore right now. The dude put up 37 points in the second half thinking I'm going to win a fucking game and he lost and he's like okay well I on to the next like I don't know if you could just go on to the next the guy might he might need a few days he might need an ice bath or two or 17 I I don't know if it's that simple so I I think it could be three or four games before they win one if they do uh obviously they're gonna they're well I'll never say obviously they're going to win another game I'm pretty sure for the rest of the year all right 
I got to go soon. Uh, but quick thoughts on Tommy Cutlets getting benched. Oh. You mean getting whacked? The What's gangs got him. The mob got him. Finally. Ah. Uh, you know, that's, that's I guess, what pisses me off is, is this guy, Tommy Cutlets. He had 15 minutes of fame and, and he, uh, you know, he beat a couple, beat a couple of teams, you know, and he, three. I, right. Three. He beat three, he beat three fucking teams. And, you know, people are going gaga over him and his agent in the suit. The guy looks like the Riddler. And, you know, and then just so, you know, as quick as he came onto the scene, he is quickly benched and whatever. And back to his mom and dad's house, having chicken parm and stuff with, you know, Uncle Tio and Vito and, you know, Paulie and all the guys again. And, and I'm just like, and Brock Purdy gets shit on every week for not, I guess, having 600 yards a game because 300 yards and four touchdowns and leading every single conceivable stat in the NFL isn't enough already. So I'm, I'm jealous of, I'm jealous on Brock's behalf about DeVito who had three fucking wins. And now he's benched, and it's and it's like ah shoot. And then why can't we adopt a Purdy like we adopted Devito? I don't get it. That I don't get it. I think they pulled the plug on him too early, dude. Uh, I do, dude. He's not. He wasn't that good. He uh, like I, I know he only threw for two hundred yards once, but he led him to three victories. They were still somewhat in the game in Philly, but they decided to go to. Tyrod Taylor. We know what Taylor can do. The question is, do we know what Tommy Cullins can do? And we don't. Give you the do. fucking kid the goddamn fucking rock. If he does well, he's going to be a cold hero in I, New York. He, the he, problem he, is he became a cold hero and kind of like you said, he hadn't really done shit yet. He played at Illinois. He played at Q's and he got beat out by, I don't know, some second and third stringer. And then he transferred to Illinois and he Barely did okay against him with a mediocre mid yucky Midwest Big Ten teams. He didn't give Indian my Indiana Hoosiers didn't give them necessarily a ride to remember. He was just okay. Gets picked up by the Giants. I was like, this guy's not really that impressive. I, I never, I never bought in. He beat the Packers. Woohoo! Uh, who gives a shit? Packers suck anyways. But yeah. Hank, thanks for joining, man. That's, Absolutely. Uh, it's nice. I mean, definitely these sort of slow days as we get it closer to the new year. What's on tap for No Filter Network this week? Well, this week we got we got a pretty good show tonight for Stripes and Stripes. We are being joined by two, not one, but two female hockey players on our flagship hockey program tonight at 4 p.m. Pacific time uh, live on nofilter.net. You can listen anytime, anywhere. I, I don't, I'm not on that show. I just, you know, kind of acting as like sort of like a guardian angel. Um, we got, we got some big Ben K win coming up NFL talk. I'll be joining that show in a couple weeks. I'll be the the famous celebrity guests in a couple weeks. Um, we got no, we got no, no thrill this week. No Clark. We'll just see him next year. No thrill this week. He's out at Double Deuce's Ranch. Good for him. But he will be back next week, and we'll keep hammering out daily hustles. Easy. Yeah, absolutely. Might get a uh, surprise special guest here in the next night or two on November. Hell yeah. Yeah, I want to do these unfiltered shows, man. Do it. Now, who cares? You fucking do it. Basically, like Hunter Pence unfiltered how we did it with him and just get these guys to come on here and 
cut loose. I, I, I actually have a meeting right now with Shay Hillenbrand, so I got to run. But we're going to get Shay on here. He wants to do a show on No Filter, the longtime big leaguer, played for all sorts of teams. I'm sure a lot of people remember him with the Boston Red Sox and the Arizona Diamondbacks, a fucking stud. He had like, I was looking at his stats, man. The guy hit like 280-something for his career, over 100 homers. So, yeah, I'm going to get on uh, get on with Shay, and we're going to explore some possibilities, get him rolling up here. Love it. All right, Bernsey. Thanks for having All right, me on. Hank, oh, one more thing for you. Oh, yeah. Shay! We'll leave you with this. Uh, as a man thinketh. Of course, we're a life optimization baseball podcast and sports podcast. So we always like to end with a little life optimization. Of all the beautiful truths pertaining to the soul, which have been restored and brought to light in this age, none is more gladdening or fruitful of divine promise and confidence than this, that man is the master of thought, the molder of character, and the maker and shaper of condition, environment, and death.